going to play a little bit of that, and I'm going to skip all of the, the slow stuff. Oh, I've just got to get the volume working. How's it going? He was in the zone, man, and you just, like, cut him. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Terrible. You've got another terrible Fellas. editing job to do. Fellas, how are you? Oh, timing was terrible, David. <laughs> oh, my timing's always shit. I'm here. Fuck yous. <laughs> I've arrived. I've arrived. I've arrived. <laughs> oh, no. We're just getting psyched, ready to listen yeah. to a bit of Proud Mary. And- Welcome, everybody, to another weekly episode of Music, Movies, and Madness. You're joined here by me, Glenn, and Martin, and Ian, and David will be joining us a little later. G'day, guys. G'day, Yo. Hey, mate. Hello, hello. Um, sad news this week, everybody. Um, we lost one of our greats, um, our musical greats, um, in the last week with the passing of Tina Turner, and um, uh, as a request from a couple of our listeners that want us to do a show for Tina. Um, so why not? Absolutely, why not? And um, what was her name? Anna Mae Bullock, born 1939 um, in some tin pot little town in the back of nowhere and rose to fame um, uh, through uh, one of probably the most formidable sort of musical live acts, which was Ike and Tina, uh, before ditching him kicking him to the curb finally, and then um, going out on our own. Um, so tonight what we'll do is we're going to chart um, some some of our favourite songs or some songs of note from each of the um, decades that she made some pretty stellar songs. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do tonight. And, um, yeah, first up, first impressions or last impressions of Tina or from you guys? Oh, well, she's... She's the queen, right? I mean, uh, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, very few female artists probably are going to have as have as striking a, a presence or as a, as long a lasting a legacy as she did. You know, I mean, you can count them pretty much in one hand, right? I mean, you've got like Aretha, Whitney. Um, you know, can't say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, she's icon. The, mm. the diva um but you know uh, from every account that i've, I've read with interviews of people who knew her or who whoever met her just said that she was just phenomenally nice down to earth um very welcoming you know and very generous with her time as well yeah mm. yeah she was always hot she was hot when she was young and mm-hmm. she was kind of hot when she was old Yep. She was just one of them women that's always it. hot. She had it, mm. man. She never lost it. <laughs> those, those legs. <laughs> they have those them legs. No. It's all about them yeah. legs. I listened yeah. to the, uh, the radio station that, that referred to her as the godmother of rock, which I sort of disagreed with. I thought, nah, I don't think she's a rock kind of chick, really. Wow. Covered so many different styles. Um, mm. It's just just an icon, I think, across mm. basically from early rock and roll. 1960 was the first album of I Container, mm. um, all the way through to the 90s. So, I mean, come on, that's a monstrous career mm. and in a huge amount of genres on between. So, and I think what we've got tonight will probably prove that, I think. 
in terms of the songs we're going to play. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the ultimate sort of comeback story as well, because after all the, the abuse and horrific time that she had with Ike and, and got and finally ditched him. Um, I mean, she left literally with the clothes on her back, and I think it was about 34 cents in her pocket. And mm. um, yeah, so mm. go from that and a stage name, and that was it. You know, yeah, that was exactly. all that she had. So, and, be- yeah. and it was because of her being a good person that so many, particularly from Europe, more, more the British artists really helped in that revival and comeback. And I think we'll get to Private Dancer a little bit later. It's called so let's, karma. Let's, it's called it's karma, karma, bro. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And some Jews were paid. Um, so let's, let's kick. Some Jews were paid. Because, I mean, she inspired. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, what did old um, Mick Jagger said? You know, he was lucky. He got, you know, a lot of the style that he learnt was from Tina. And as a young artist, um, she looked after them all when they came to America and stuff like that. So he learned a lot from a stagecraft from it. And yeah, it was good to see. Right. Ian, I think we're going to kick it off with you, mate. Yeah. Oh, oh, me. Okay. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yeah. Who, me? Couldn't be. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my God. I've put you on the spot. Oh, you have? No, I'm never go first. Well, I wanted you to go first tonight. Unbelievable. One, because it's awesomely funny. To watch you like race around, square. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've got a just, cold. Just, just let me pay. Just let me pay my dues. <laughs> right, I'm going. To, what did I go for? We went for. A, what did we do? We did. We did decades, 19, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. 1960s yeah. when she started her recording career. Yeah, we did. Right. So here's what I got from the 60s. I've not really. I've got to be honest, not heard heaps and heaps of her early stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not actually a massive Tina fan, got to be honest with you there too, but uh, I, I definitely respect her for who she is. The song I chose was off an album called Dynamite, which is obviously Ike and Tina. Uh, the song is called A Fool in Love. And I chose this because it starts with... Uh, a really, really nice bluesy kind of vocal line. Um, and it kind of, you can hear her raw, sort of grunty, gravelly voice. Now it, show, it really sort of shows her power. So this is A Fall in Love by the one and only. Oh, there's something on my mind. Won't somebody please, please tell me what's wrong? You just a fool, you know you're in love, but you swear you got to face it to live in this world. You just a fool, why you so bad? Sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're sad. One more time, you know you love him, you can't understand why he treats you like he do when he's such a good man. Yeah, there you go. I mean, simply the best. That to simply the best. It's just like chalk and cheese. <laughs> yeah. uh, Only twenty when she did that. 
Well, the funny thing is when I when I heard that, and uh, there's a few songs like that on that on that album, Dynamite. I actually just thought to myself, "Oh my God, how much would I have loved to hear hear her do a blues album?" But uh, anyway, so yeah, a, a nice sort of poppy '60s song. Yeah, cool. Are there are there any I Can Tina blues albums? There sure are. No idea. <laughs> is there any with just Tina? Or, no. or with Ike? <clears throat> no, with Ike. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, that leads nicely into my first song. Um, okay, you go ahead, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stealing Glenn's thunder. <laughs> well, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, the song that I've chosen is, is called The Hunter. And it's from the album called The Hunter, which was released oh, yeah. in 1969. And uh, the title track, The Hunter, is in fact an Albert King song. So if you want to get into the blues, they don't come much more bluesy than Albert King, really. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, this song's been covered so many times. But, um, yeah, Ike and Tina, you know, as much as Ike is, was a pretty reprehensible person, he, he was a heck of a musician and he, he knew how to do an, a really great arrangement of a track, mm. you know. Totally, uh, I agree. Yeah, reprehensible. What a good word. Yes, it's kind of Slick. like, um, yeah, I mean, just because it's one of those things eh, where you go, right, yeah, the guy was reprehensible, but man, there was a lot of good stuff that he did as well. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it was a shit. He was, was a shit, yeah. He was a shit, yeah. He was reprehensible, right? Mm, good word, eh? That's yeah. a, I'm going to remember that. Right. So anyway, so this is the uh, the hunter. Here we go. Um, featured, um, well, featured another blues guitarist, um, as a guest artist on that single as well. So another Albert, Mr. Albert Collins, um, you know, you can always kind of tell his playing as well, because he just does those little bing! stabs and that's it. doesn't really play, <laughs> just goes bing! every so often. It's, it's, it's like B.B. King not playing a chord. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's all about the gaps in between, right? That's what makes mm. it so good. Uh, yeah, um, that song, uh, it did chart as well. I think it was actually the first single that they had, um, well, certainly from the album that charted, um, and it got to, like, number 38, I think, 37 in the Billboard R&B singles <clears> chart. <throat> there you go. Yeah. So that was my first choice, yeah, The Hunter. Sweet. All right. Yeah. I've got a pop tune coming up for you. So 
that's the cool thing about Icantina. They really did mix it up. But then again, they sort of followed that whole sort of traveling review show where, you know, as an audience, you kind of got a bit of everything um, on a night. And um, that's what they did. So this particular one isn't an Icantina one. It's actually um, a full-on pop song produced by Phil Spector. And I, I really love this song. I think it's a powerhouse. I like the fact that it's, um, you know, again, a reprehensible individual producing it. But man, did Phil Spector know how to get that great wall of sound um, going, which is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thrill, really, sometimes when you hear it cranked up. All right, so let's have a listen to Mountain High River Deep. When I was a little girl, I had a breakdown. There's that huge wall of sound um, from the Phil Spectre. Um, but for me, I think it's just a showcase of all her um, vocal talents there. It's just, you know, he's obviously she's really powering it on for the song. Yeah, she's had that's... this weird thing where she could just absolutely like rip her throat to shreds one second. And then the <laughs> next line is like really clean, but super powerful. Like there's mm. not many vocalists who could do that. You need, a, she... you need a good set of lungs to sing a song like that, don't you? Oh, yeah. And I think here it was one of those times where Ike, um, I think, got incredibly jealous of the fact that Tina could just go and do that. So, unfortunately, um, she said that once he worked out that he was, she was the um, paycheck, that's when the control came on even more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is not ideal not for any sort of relationship or any sort of ability to actually make some really cool art together. On a side uh, note, on a side note about that particular song, mm. when I uh, when I worked in the club scene in the UK, there were so many people and artists that used to try and cover that song. Really? And, I would have never oh, yeah. that. Because it seems brutally hard. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of the side note. Really, never do it. <laughs> so, not unless you're Tina Turner. <laughs> did they suck so bad at it? Did they? Oh yeah, I mean, I used to go to showcases every year because that's how you get your agencies to pick you and mm. do all that stuff. So, yeah, it was like um, it was that and man, I need a woman, feel like a woman oh, or whatever. Oh, but yeah, God. river deep, mountain high, whatever it is. And uh, they used to butcher it every bloody time. Damn. Leave it to the experts. So what about the uh, the Phil Spector sound? Are you, are you a fan of the wall of sound? From Me? time to time. 
from time to time. Not all the time, but when I hear it, it's like, yeah, man, I quite like that. And I quite like the Christmas album too. <laughs> it definitely sneaks up on you because it starts, you know, this, it starts with a huge vocal wall and then there's no, no real drums in it at all. And then, then when it kicks in, boof, and everything comes in. That's why I say you need a good set of lungs to be singing along all that shit that's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah to compete with the wall of sound, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But it's but, uh, you, you, sounds good. You, yeah, exactly. When you hear it and you hear it through some mm. decent gear, not these tin pox splitty, you know, headsets that we've got, it, it is quite impressive. Mm. I wonder how many oh. tracks I wonder how many tracks he recorded that on. Well, I don't know. The Spectre um, geeks will be able to tell us. They can write to us and tell us. They can drop us a whole bunch of links. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, there was a lot of records made during the 60s from when I was having a look. There's a huge number of them, eh? They were just churning them out, and live ones as well. So um, they were busy, um, busy, busy family on the road all the time. Um, so that leads us into the 70s, and nothing really slowed them down at all at this point either. I mean, they basically supported all the great acts um, from the 60s and into the 70s. Um, I've got a live um, box set of Rolling Stones Get Your Yayas Out from their 69 tour. Um, and it's a wicked live album by the Stones. But the two supporting artists at that Madison Square Garden show were BB uh, King and his band and I Cantina. Um, so I've got all of those sets, and you can listen to the whole show, which is fabulous. Their wow. set is stonking. It is so damn good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, having to follow that must have been bloody tough. I guess when you've been on the road, though, and you know each other inside mm. out, you, you're, you're probably so polished, and at the top of your game, you're young. You, you're probably just... Man, you'd be dangerous. They're all dangerous at that. You know, they're good. They're, they're good. Yeah, they very, were. Very good. Very good. Mm. So it you'd have had BB King kicking ass. You'd have had the Stones would have kicked ass. They'd yep. all kicked ass, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and, it, and you, you hear that through the um, recording. It, it really mm. does feel that way. Well mm. worth checking out. So I went to the 1970s. So um, we'll go back to you, Ian. What have you got from the 70s? I'll just share this thing here. <clears throat> yeah, 1970s. This is probably the more, this is probably the more familiar sort of Tina stuff that I'm familiar with. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I took a song off the uh, Nutbush City Limits album, mm -hmm. which I listened to in the barbershop last week, for the full album. It's a, it's a pretty good album, actually. I never really heard it before. Um, <clears throat> the song I chose was Club Manhattan, and I chose this particular song because most of the tracks on that album are actually pretty bloody good, but this one for me, um, it's, what have I written here? I think it's more, a, a little bit more of a funky song as opposed to the soul or the pop, and it's <clears throat> Tina Turner's uh, vocals definitely have a really fantastic timing in this song and placement the way she sings it and the way it fits for me 
and obviously she's got the killer notes in there, right? But uh, yeah, just her timing. Have a listen to this. This is called Club Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, that's 40 seconds. It just It's 2 minutes 52 of fantastic vocal. There's not much instrumental stuff going on. It's just her voice. It's her voice. That's what she was. She was the voice. You know? So, nice yeah. as a triangle in there, though. I did hear a triangle. Oh, oh. a sneaky triangle, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that dovetails quite nicely because I actually picked the title track from Nutbush um, City Limits. So this is 73. So yeah, totally funky it is. Mm. some funk there for you um so again we've gone from pop early rock and roll and then we've got into the super funky stuff um mark boland's actually on that track um playing oh, guitar right. yeah and then you've got old um icon of moog there as well plus you know that was a song that she was really proud of um it did talk a lot about you know where she grew up um you know that sort of and as a result, it just appears on all her live albums throughout um, her entire career. Um, I did prefer that version over the 90s re, sort of re-recording of it. Um, that one is just stellar. Um, so good. Martin. Yeah. Um, well, from that one, which is a total classic, to another one, which is a total Tina classic. Um, I have gone with a live version of this. Um I just, just, that. just find like the live one just kicks it a little bit further. Um, so this is uh, about a woman named Mary. <laughs> oh, Mary. I know something about this. Is Mary. this off the same album? <laughs> no, it's not. No. Um, no. But um, I'm not sure what year that this originally came out. But um, yeah, Proud Mary. Yeah. Rolling, rolling, rolling on a reel. 
episode, Proud Mary, what a shame. Yeah, all oh. 10 minutes of it. She's stunning, but that, man, you gotta, you got to mention the band as tight as anything. Damn. Yep. Always <clears> tight. Always. Yeah. What we're seeing here is the archetype. You know, there's somebody that sort of laid the pattern down that so many have copied um, since. Um, and Tina did that. Now that David's joined us, welcome, David. Nice to have you here. Thanks, guys. Sorry I'm late. Good evening, right. David. But we're going to put you on the spot now. You're going to have to work for it. Um, you're going to have to give mm. us your song from the 60s and 70s, and mm. you can go 60s back to back now. 70s. Okay. So Tina was in her mid-20s when she did this one. What I like about this song is um, you've got, even in the, I mean, gosh, 25. Let's put this in perspective. The Beatles are pretty much finished by 28. By the time McCartney was 28. She's 25. She's obviously just left us in her early 80s. But this showcases this particular duet with none other than Marvin Gaye. So you got two of the best soul singers of their generation on Shindig, which was this massive, massive 60s kind of soul, bluesy, kind of like souls and bluesy um, uh, top of the pops thing, right? Back in um, America. I think it was, yeah, it was US. <laughs> Shindig how, old's, and, how old's Marvin during this? Oh, he's young as bugger as well. He's about the same age. Right. So they're the same generation, those two. That sort of, you know. That shows how that shows how young he was when he left us, right? Marvin was oh, only yeah. in his forties when he when he got shot. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. And Tina's obviously, you know, and we'll get to Tina in the eighties and nineties because she just carried on and got better and bigger and and everything. But here she is with Marvin, nineteen sixty five, on Shindig. Those voices, they just oh, two of a kind, eh? Yeah, amazing, Legends. aren't they? Amazing. Legends, yeah. Tina and Marvin. And I don't know, she was about 25, 26. I don't know. He might he looks about the same. And they are the same generation, but yeah, just great to see them. Absolutely nailing it there. Yeah, that was my pick for the 60s. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your 70s pick? Oh, David? my 70s. I'm on the spot yeah. again. Okay. All right. I know. It's good fun. 70s. So I chose a Beatles track because they did no a lot way. of cover songs. She did a they, lot of covers. No, she did. Yeah. yeah. Well, she did known heaps. for covers. Yeah. She did oh. heaps of covers. And this is about 71 when, uh, let's face it, there were shitloads of people doing Beatles covers around about this time because they're just broken up. And only a couple of years after the song was actually released, um, it's a Lennon song. We all know it as Come Together. But what I like about Tina's version, again, she just owns it right. And that voice of hers is just explosive. <laughs> Come 
sing the phone book and I'd listen. That raspy voice that you kind of, she's well within her range too, but she just has that rasp and that, you know, woodiness sort of in her voice that just pops, right? That, And that's kind of the vocals you need for that song, right? Because Lennon's doing the same thing in the original, right at the top. Yeah, when there. you're listening to that, if you if you think of like I was think just blasting through a whole lot of female singers in my head mm. of what would fit with that song. Yeah, you you got to be you got to be you got to be certain sort of singer to to jump in and do that yeah, yeah. justice. Yeah, and totally. Tina, yeah, every time yeah, all man. of her covers are good. She nails mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, every time. Does she pick her own covers? Yeah. Right. Yeah, or Ike picked them. Yeah. <laughs> have, have we done that part yet? Yeah, yeah. We're actually getting up to the 80s now. Um, Cook me some eggs. No, Oop. past Oop. that. She, she, she kicks him to the curb in 78. Thank goodness. And he can cook his goodness. own eggs. Yeah. yeah. And as Martin Martin said, left with bugger all um, and just kept kept touring um, and making some records. Although you can't, I haven't found those records between there and Private Dancer. Um, and then um, got picked up again um, by Capitol Records and Private Dancer was made with the help of some British friends um, and became this massive worldwide hit. And it was really that Europe launched her career again. And in fact, that's where she finally settled and lived in the end um so i'm going to play a track um from um that sort of 80s period and it's a it's another live tina song and um let's let's have a listen to this So there she is with um, Mr. Bowie, yeah. who came, joined her on a live show. And um, we can thank David Bowie a little bit for helping getting her career back on up and running again. Mm. He was just being ready to go out for dinner after signing and the deal again with EMI. And they said, oh, we'll take you out. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to a gig. And I'm like, oh, where are you going? And he goes, oh, I'm going to go see my favorite singer. And um, she's just playing um and it was tina turner so they went along with her and went ah we could do something here and yeah he's then at the end of that song he says i've seen like tina a million times or something like that um and really sort of helped her out and along with all the others um and i think i think david you've got a song from um private dancer now 
from I do. help with a little, a little help from your friends. <laughs> so Private Dancer, yeah. written by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits fame. Mm. Do you want to know what a private dancer is? No. Goes back to the <laughs> 1930s. Actually, your era, your favorite era, Ian. You should know. Shame on you, mate. No. So 1930s, 1940s, a private dancer was also known as a taxi dancer. Um, and they were uh, professional dancers that you would hire to escort you to a ball or, a, you know, some sort of gig or function to dance. But oh. they were they were pretty damn good dancers, right? And mm-hmm. so there was nothing untoward or seedy or anything like that. Uh, yeah. And this one's about boring. Yeah, I know. But boring. I wonder if you could. <clears throat> I wonder if you could get like hire a drummer. Hire a drummer. Hire a guitarist. You know, yeah. Tired of they always seem to be in. They always seem to be in hard, short supply drummers. <laughs> I'll be your. Can I just drummer. hire a guitarist? No one's gonna ring me up and hire me. I'd be you like, can, no. You can, hire a brass you can hire a brass player. There's an app. Did okay. you know that? No. no. Yes, it's called Tuba. Uh, uh, All right. Uh, let's all right. carry on. Yeah. Uh, so, so this one, Private Dancer, won her a Grammy. Uh, 1984 came out. Pretty much like Glenn said, was the resurgence of your career. Thanks to Mr. Bowie. She she was, uh, yeah, she was approached to do this one. Noffler didn't think that, well, he wrote the song, but he thought it needed to, needed a female vocalist and none other. Who, I mean, who's better than Tina? Um, and she absolutely nails this run at one, right? Seven and a half, well, almost seven and a half minutes long. 1984, this thing came out, right? And, uh, it's and got yeah. a shitload of chords in there. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a, a Nofla special, yep. yeah. specialty. Um, and yeah, great writer, great singer, great video, just top track all around. And like you said, Glenn, resurgence, saw the resurgence in Tina. Yeah, um, and a good thing. Totally. Hmm. The worst thing about that song is the lead break. It's terrible. Who does that one? I don't think it's Nofla, but it's is it pretty Peak? average. I will find I out. I've got the credits. We'll find out. Right here for the guitar, Hal Linz and oh, just Jeff Beck. Yeah, shit. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, get, couldn't get the real deal. Yeah. So Get Nofla. Yes, sorry, Beck is Hal Lindy's and Jeff Beck on guitar. Listen yeah, to the guitar solo on it. It's terrible. It'll, all right, I will later. Um, yep. That sounds good fun. Mel not Collins everything, Je- not everything Jeff Beck touched was always good. I could have practiced more. Probably is what you'd want to say to that man. Oh, John Ilsney on bass. He's the Die Straits guitarist, right? Mm. Yeah. In fact, most of the Die Straits are on that album, on that track. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. let's get let's go and find out, Martin. What have you picked for the eighties? Oh yeah, well, a bit of a, a sort of detour here to get to this one, but um, yeah, as well as obviously releasing all her own singles and stuff in the in the eighties, um, she guested on a heap of, of records as well. I mean, she seemed to be constantly working. And, um, yeah, the duets, she had a lot of duets. You know, she did one the It Takes Two thing with Rod Stewart. And um, she, uh, she, she did a heap of them anyway. Uh, but this one happens to be um, one that she did with Brian Adams. Um, and it was off Brian Adams' A Reckless album. Um, and it's called It's Only Love. And... Mm. Dave was saying about mm. how her vocals just sort of hit you like a thunderbolt when she comes in on a song. There's no yeah. like, this, this is just like, you know, white lightning when she starts singing and this, she just rips it, rips it apart. Um, so I'm going to go from the start though, because the riff's really cool. I like the riff in this song. <laughs> I was watching her and Brian sing that yesterday on YouTube, and she um she almost looked like she was in, he almost looked like he was quite intimidated by her on the vocal <laughs> on the microphone. They were sharing a microphone, and he kind of she she just eyeballed him, and she was just doing her Tina thing with her vocals, and he kind of looked a bit lost. So he just looks down at his guitar and played something on his guitar because she basically just yeah. steered him down. It was so funny. It, it takes something to be able to kind of like out growl. Brian Adams, yeah. <laughs> right. oh, man. Totally did. I've seen Brian Adams live in his prime yeah. when he did everything I did do for you in oh, Wellington. Yeah. 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 And um, I hated Brian Adams. Yeah. But after I saw him live, I tell you what, he nah, he is he's up there with the best. He just sounds phenomenal. And does he play like the guitar lots or not really? No, he strums a few songs in there, but his, yep. uh, his live performance is, is phenomenal. It is, that's the word I use. And, uh, with Tina, you know, when you hear, like Martin said, uh, she's collaborating with all these people. I just feel like, um, you know, that saying you bite off more than you can chew. I just don't think she's one of them ladies. She could just probably bite as much as she wanted and chew all day long. <laughs> She'd uh, still kick it. Man. Yeah, I agree. I think you're bang on the money there. Absolutely. 
Um, and what 80s song have you got for us, Ian? Yeah, I, well, I, uh, funny enough, decided to also go for a little bit of a uh, collaboration mm. because um, before this show, I didn't realise without doing some investigating how good her collaborations are. Mm. Agreed. And, um, yeah. I mean, I knew she was friggin' awesome. Who doesn't? But uh, <clears throat> this is off Tina Live. And I chose this because she's singing with, and she does this, right? She, um, uh, like you just heard with Brian Adams, David Bowie, she chooses these amazing artists and she's singing this song with a blues legend who is Robert Cray. And again, just for me, it's not just about her voice, it's how, just how versatile mm. she is as a singer. She's polished. You know, she's professional. She fits in with his genre, which is bluesy, not screaming. Um, and she's just smack on the money with every note. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this little gem. Six, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine. And this, this is a, you know, this is a great example of a woman who has full control. Mm. She's not, she's not shrieking it. She's not shredding it. She's right there on the money. Beautiful. Well, how much practice has she had? Eh? by this point, she's like done the ten thousand hours, like. Oh, yeah. did that when triple, she was a kid. Fold. Yeah, exactly. Um, she was um, interesting because just listening to that, Ian, you can definitely hear the gospel influences mm -hmm. come yep. through but mm -hmm. she didn't actually start off in gospel she started off singing with their friends at the playground like like, like, at, at, the park, and stuff like at the park it, it, you know like instead of going down maybe i don't know you take your guitar down and you have a bit of a sing like she'd just go down and just belt up these these songs and that she wasn't so comfortable as comfortable or yeah as singing um like in the in the, in the churches and that as she was down at the parks and that with her friends um, as a kid, I mean, could you imagine she would have, man, she would have stood out, jeez. And that's what I noticed when they came to church one day. That nineteen-year-old's got something where well, she mm. can come on the road with me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So eighties, um, Tina's on top. Nineties pretty much the same as well and by that mm. point you're she's into what 60s 70s 80s 90s 40th 40th decades Ooh. four decades you know at the end of that she's like nah probably don't need to do so much anymore now <laughs> and and had a graceful retirement on the whole which is pretty cool right. um so have, have you got any, got any songs from the 90s that you wanted to play i've got one but... i i don't have a 
So I've got a song that was released in the 80s but became big in the 90s due to her, the movie um, that came out about her in 93, What's Love Got mm-hmm. to Do With It? Mm-hmm. Have no, we played sorry. that one yet? No. No? Oh, no that's a great song. It's a great song. came out <laughs> in the uh, early 80s, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it became big when the movie um, about her life was made in 93. So, yeah, we all know this one. If I tend to look dazed, I read it someplace. I've got cause to be. There's a name for it. There's a phrase that fits. But whatever the reason, you do it for me. whole thing isn't that whole thing recorded on like um just a bunch of synths yeah yep there's no instruments in that apart from synths eh? yeah and keyboards it's one synth one synth one synth epic yeah i love that track i never understood why they have to double the vocals though in certain bits of it in a little underlying harmony in bits of it she yeah she's one of those voices that didn't need it eh yeah, that was the thing, though, wasn't it? You know, there's a lot mm. of kind of double tracking thing going on. And, yep. You know, but yeah, she didn't need it. Nah, powerhouse. Mm. She, didn't, she didn't need that awful harmonica solo. <laughs> oh, that was. Was that what it was? Was it, Je- was it Jeff? It was supposed to be it. Jeff Beck on the harmonica. Oh, harmonica. Back Fucking Jeff's back in the studio. <laughs> We need a solo. Can you play mm-hmm. the, the harp, Jeff? Oh, I've never tried, but I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's better than your guitaring. Fuck, let's keep it. <laughs> What's your guys' earliest sort of Tina Turner memory? I mean, from when you became aware that there was a Tina. My, someone, actually, where this episode idea came from was one of my colleagues, Sally. Hi, Sal. She suggested last hey, week, Sally. what about an episode on Tina? So Sally came to our show the other day as well. Really nice of her. Um, and Sally said, she said, you know, the thing about Tina, why I like is she's kind of like sheer but less slutty. <laughs> yeah, classy. <laughs> that, that, yeah, in fairness, that oh. doesn't take a whole lot, really, to be less slutty than Cher, does it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and you definitely would. <laughs> oh, oh no! I don't think oh, that on both counts. Remember Tina, but um... oh, fabulous! <laughs> I, I I just remember I had my you know when we did eighty five, well, I oh, think it was yeah. compilations. I had um, uh, was it um, hits of eighty five? I think it was the hit zone, oh, yeah. and it had Beyond Thunderdome, and I was oh. like need another hero and i was like oh, who's tina turner and then in, oh yeah that was probably my earliest song i think same for me um 
I think, yeah, my I remember my brother got it on this at the seven inch, played the single, <laughs> like played it to death. And uh, what was really cool about it was I had the instrumental version, the B side as well, and that was that was it's actually really really well produced that track. We need to kind of listen to it separately as well. But um, yeah, um, Mad Max, right? It was, it was Mad yeah. Max Three. Yeah. Uh, um, I was too little for that. It was just hit zone, man. But, um, my my earliest memory was actually on the Paraparaumu College Roadshow, so 1992, mm. probably, or one or two, and Trista Batchelor was singing Simply the Best, oh. and uh, I was playing drums, and we had to learn all these songs, so I had to go and find a copy of simply the best i was i never really into tina so it was mm-hmm. yeah was that the song for the footy for the nrl yeah mm. it was yeah, yeah, yeah it was indeed that's right yeah massive and martin what have you got for us from the 90s yeah i did uh i did find one it's it's kind of a bit different it's a bit more of a mellow one um and I don't know. I don't think she was. I, I wouldn't say that she was winding down, because she still definitely had the voice. Um, but yeah, she did a lot more kind of like reflective stuff on on like the last couple of albums. I think it got her quite into the ballad territory. Um, and this is a song called "I Don't Want to Fight," um, and it goes like this. No, it doesn't. Particularly well, has it, guys? You know, it's definitely <laughs> got, as you say, that Milli Vanilli soul to soul drum track. Yeah, yeah, thing no, going it's on. true. <laughs> yeah, that, it's funny. The 80s have got their own production styles, and so are the 90s. Oh, eh? that easily that reminds me of that, it, that, um, that, that song that was that sort of, uh, oh, uh, Return to Innocence. <laughs> Return to Innocence. Uh, that, was, that, that was that was that was that was ghastly. Same drum beat. Return yeah. to innocence. Yeah, yeah. But let's stay focused. Again. Sorry, yeah. Tina. I mean, even oh. a rubbish backing back backing track, drum track, whatever it is, can sound good with Tina's voice on top of it, right? Absolutely, it really does lift yeah. it. Well, to pick up on what you, David and Ian were saying now, um, a little bit about the footy. Um, now, Martin, you, you were living in the UK at the time. Now, Tina um, was asked by the National Rugby League in Australia to do a song for the Rugby League Championships, I think about 1990, 91. 
and they recorded um, a track with um, Australian Screech, uh, Jimmy Barnes and Johnny Diesel on guitar. And this is the cover of this. <laughs> so, um, but it was a big, big thing in New Zealand and Australia um, yeah. and made this sort of song massive over this way. Screeches are us. Here we go. Give me everything I So certainly not my favourite um, song. I want to hear the middle eight. I want to hear the bit with a key change. Oh, Who right. Is it? Okay. is it him or her? It's time you leave me. <laughs> I think they they both they both <laughs> they both they both they both have a go at it. And and you know what? It's probably not so much the track because it's let's be honest, it's not great. Um. It's that whole time, the, the rugby league was massive in New Zealand around that time. Everyone seemed to have a rugby league jersey. And Tina performed at the grand final that year and just, mm. you know, blew this, you know, blew the stadium apart pretty yeah. much. I think that's more known for, the, oh, that's the one where Tina came out and did that song than anything else. No one really remembers the rugby league. <laughs> Sorry, there's probably people out there that... We'll remember exactly what final that was and all the rest of it. But she certainly cemented her sort of legend status in New Zealand and Australia with that one, eh? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Probably paid for a $120 million house in Switzerland, that one. Thank oh, you. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty pretty big. And sort of the uh, Tina became a bit of a legend on this side of the world. Probably um, inspired marketing. But again, as he was saying, the lady just kept working for what, 50 years, and then yeah. finally, nah, enough's enough. We're going to hang out in Switzerland, eh? Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Barnes doing his Tina Turner impression, that's, that's something to be... Oh, look, to be fair, he's been a screamer for years, eh? He has, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not, chisel days. I'm not and you, really... And you a, don't know I'm who's not... doing the high bits. He's probably going over, <laughs> Tina. <laughs> True, yeah. Yeah, oh, it, it'll be, he'll, he'll be blowing a foo-foo valve trying to keep up, eh? Hey? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it'll be, yeah. it'll just, yeah. Anyway. Um, I say, yeah. She, it doesn't sound like she necessarily re-recorded the vocals for that. Is it just like the original vocal track, like, mixed in? No, 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 they re-recorded it, eh? They did re-record yeah. it? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Because there was a saxophone, there was a saxophone solo and they got Johnny Diesel to play guitar solo on it. So, yeah. I suppose... Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, from that part of the, from this part of the world, it was pretty, pretty huge. Right, and that's our that's our Tina Turner salute. Yeah, she was she was pretty epic. The archetype, I reckon. Totally, she's definitely yeah. definitely worth a uh, a run over without a without a doubt. Yeah, she was she was historical, man. Mm. Yeah, yeah, one and of a kind. Absolutely. 
Brilliant. Well, I hope you guys have all had a good listen and for over the week. And really um, enjoyed that. Yeah, it has been interesting. Um, and listeners, please go and check check out some of these things. I'll be definitely going back and checking out Nutbush City Limits. I love that funky soul, funky sound from that. So I'll be checking that one out a little bit more. Um, and then have a good week, everyone, and tune in for another fabulous episode next week. Sounds good, man. Thanks, Tina. Thanks, Tina. Simply the best. Oh.